This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to the wine situation. We are diving right in this week. Get ready. Buckle your belts. Buckle your seat belts. Uh, hi, this is Elle Clifford. Ellen Clifford, either one. Welcome to the wine situation. I said that before. Where the situation is, I want you to feel like a badass when you order wine. I want you to look at that menu and know with confidence that what you are ordering is right for you. And, uh, you know, I, I want to teach you things about wine. I hope I make you laugh occasionally, blah, blah, blah. That's the situation with wine. It's It's gone through so many iterations in the show, from us actually whining with an H to guests to just me blathering along. Um, and right now it's still just me blathering along, although I have a killer guest at the end of this, so, you know, get ready. Um, <laughs> that, I, I don't know why I got all like, mm, what's the word? I don't know, not sultry, just kind of like, <laughs> villainous come on-ish? Was that what that laugh was? I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling vaguely villainous-ish today because I'm like wearing a, a chain um, as a necklace and I feel like... I feel like myself again, you guys. <laughs> I think the chain necklaces were really missing from my goth persona. And now that I have one again, I really, I just, it feels good. Oh, oh, right. Besides the fact that I wear chains for necklaces, why, why should I tell you about wine? Just in case this is the first time you're here, I've done some, I've done a fair amount of reading. I have a diploma from the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. I uh, am a certified sommelier with quartermaster sommeliers. I, I write for Delectable, occasionally Venice, and some other places. So I know a few things. And I do wish to impart all my knowledge onto your brain, sweet babies, so that someday you'll say, Elle, I don't need you anymore. I don't need the wine situation anymore. I. I am ready to go go forth, and I'll be like, that's awesome, but could you please still at least download the uh, the episodes so I get, you know, downloads? <laughs> it's good for my stats. I don't know. Um, or maybe you're just by then, you'll be like, wow, Elle, we've never hung out in person, although many of you that have listened here are already my friends and we've hung out in person, but you'll be like, I feel like you're my friend, and you guys, you know what? I want you to be my friends. Seriously, by the way, yeah, go on the Instagram, find Ellen Clifford or The Wine Situation, say hi, tell me what you're drinking. I want to know. Um, I really, I really actually do. Nothing makes my day like when I get a, a direct message um, from someone who's enjoyed the show. So, you know, do that. I'll say hi back. We could, we could strike up a friendship. Who knows? The world is opening up again and anything can happen. Anything at all. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get on with our agenda. So I'm debuting a new segment because, oh, if I haven't said it before, the show's all about segments and tangents, tangents, the spring fully formed, like the wildly intelligent goddess Athena from Zeus's head, uh, tangents spring from segments like that, like Athena with wit and wisdom. Actually, I don't know if Athena was known for wit, but you know, not every goddess can be like me. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, a new segment called Pretty Pretty Pairing. I, I'm always asking my guests about pairings and I never tell you about them myself, so I have one for you. Then we are going to get to know and taste a wine made by a, a, a woman, as I try to feature 
here. And then we're going to just jump right along into my final five questions with sommelier Matthew Lindsay, which like, wow, what a what a busy guy he must be. I was so flattered he took time to talk to me. He also, um, just I'll remind you again, but if you would like to learn about wine online at your own pace, however you feel like doing it, he has an online wine course called the Advanced Wine Course. You go to advancedwinecourse.com and you can use the code the wine situation for 50% off. You guys, that's a lot off. If you want to learn about wine and you're tired of trying to learn from me and you want to learn from somebody else, that's that's an option for you. Advancedwinecourse.com, the wine situation. Whew. I'm trying to keep these things shorter, guys, because I, as I said, I want you to go forth and use your wine wisdom. And with everything opening up, you don't need to listen to me all day. Just, you know, a half hour or so out of it. Once every week or two. That's all. That's all I ask. Um, okay, first segment, Pretty Pretty Pear. This isn't even wine, you guys, but okay, go with me here. This wasn't even my idea. This was, uh, this was a while ago at... Um, I was at Universal Studios, and they, you know, they have that whole Harry Potter section, and you can buy butter beer there, which I still have never had the regular butter beer. I hear it's sweet as hell, and based on the fact that I had the frozen butter beer, which, as far as I can tell, it was it was kind of like a slushy, like, and it was so sweet, and I was like, oh my god, I'm glad there was like ice in here cutting the sugar, which is strange for me. I'm I'm like a sugar tooth. Um, but anyway, so what did we pair with this butter beer? Go with me here, guys. A glass of Guinness. And y'all know I don't normally like butter beer, but apparently when you pair frozen butter beer and Guinness beer together, <laughs> it's like really fantastic. Cause like, oh, okay. So the frozen butter beer, I mean, it just, it tastes like butterscotch candy. You know, it tastes like a Werther's. It's like a really delicious Werther's. It also reminded me and here's another thing. What exactly is the difference between butterscotch and caramel? And I think Rolos, you know that candy? It's like the chocolate around the caramel. It kind of made me think about that, even though there was no chocolate in it, which made me think, wow, Rolos with a butterbeer and a Guinness would be good. But so anyway, you get the, that like super sweet um, uh, frozen beverage, and then you immediately stick your lips right into that beautiful foam on the top of that Guinness beer and like the bitterness cuts through it. And, and Guinness is one of the few beers I can actually tolerate. I, I don't know that I'd order a glass of it on my own, but like, so then you get the bitter. So then you're chasing the sweet. So then you're chasing the bitter and it was so good. And so, yeah, we were sitting there tasting it and comparing it to, um, you know, candies. And we're like, oh my God, what if it were like a triple I, I was like a triple pairing, you know, you got your, your dessert butter beer, you got, which doesn't have alcohol guys, by the way, for, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's like, you know, how root beer sneak preview doesn't have alcohol in it. Frozen butter beer at Universal Studios does not. Um, okay. So yeah. What if you had your frozen butter beer and you had a Guinness and then you had like a candy pairing, which is when I thought, oh my God, you know those little root beer candies that are shaped like a little barrel? I was like, a butter beer frozen. <laughs> I, I guess I should try the regular one at some point. The Guinness beer and then root beer candy. It's like a triple beer. Like I don't like beer beer, but if it's beer beer beer, apparently I would be into it. I mean, I haven't tried it yet, but I feel like this would be good. So... Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to elaborate on that, just that your pretty, pretty pair 
for this week is frozen butterbeer and Guinness. Try it out. Oh, I do want to, though, I also was like, oh, I just have to tell you guys this because I was so aghast. So I drink a lot of Gatorade, right? Because I, um, I have seizures if I, my electrolytes get too low. And I'm just a sweaty person, just sweating out sodium left and right. Not really. Um, I drink a lot of Gatorade. Uh, Gatorade Zero, I should say. And I noticed at the store, I'm like, oh, they make like little packets. So instead of buying the whole bottle, you can buy the little, the little packets and just put it in water. And it's like, wow, that's a lot less expensive, all told. Um, so I got my favorite, one of my favorite flavors. You guys, I'm, I'm very into the fruit punch flavor. I like whatever the blue flavor is. I like grape. I also very much like glacier cherry, which is like, it, it's kind of white looking. Um, so anyway, I buy the packets and I mix it up with the appropriate amount of water and that shit's nasty. I'm going to finish using all the packets in there when I need electrolytes, but uh, Gatorade Zero in the packets, no wonder it's cheap because ugh, it tasted bad. So that's your bad pair. Don't pair water with Gatorade packets, Zero packets. Probably don't pair the packets with anything, okay guys? Just go out and splurge on a full bottle of pre-made, already delightfully uh, mixed up for you, Gatorade. Okay, um, that was like an unexpected thing that I just had to throw in there. So, what are we drinking this week? Ooh, I've told you all that I think my favorite white grape is probably Chenin Blanc. Uh, what we have this week is the 2019 Black Pearl Chenin Blanc from Swartland, South Africa. Interestingly enough, though, the family that makes it is from, um, 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 wait, where are they from? Hold on. New Hampshire. Or wait, she graduated. Let me just read you. Um, I'll read you what the verb, verbiage is. Okay. About this wine. Black Pearl Vineyards is a single, unirrigated vineyard. Ooh, dry filing, guys. On the slopes of Pearl Mountain, Mary Lou Nash and family relocated from New Hampshire in 1995 and taught themselves how to grow grapes and make wine. The 4.5 hectares of Shiraz and 3 hectares of Cabernet Sauvignon are nestled between a parcel of extremely rare patch of Rhinosterveld, an indigenous flora, um, blah, blah, blah. Since no white grapes are grown on this particular property, Mary Lou buys fruit elsewhere and produces this Shenan in a bright, fruit-forward style that's easy to drink. Well, I'll be the judge of that. I haven't drinking it yet, guys. So, okay, that's about that. Um, so their winemaker, Mary Lou Nash, she seems kind of like pretty much a badass. Uh, she got her Bachelor of Arts summa cum laude uh, in anthropology from University of New Hampshire. Uh, she taught English in Japan for a couple years. She traveled all over and then was like, hey, I'm going to settle down in Parle, South Africa. Um, <laughs> teaching herself entirely, she planted 4.5 hectares of Shiraz in 1997 and 3 of Cab in 98. Uh, established her boutique winery in 2001. Oh, and she then she learned how to make brandy. What do you know? Um, what else? Uh, 2006, she received her wine evaluation certificate from Stellenbosch University, followed by top marks in the advanced brandy course. Uh, wow. Yeah, she's got a lot of, um, a lot of creds. I really actually would, I'm, they're skimming above ahead here and like, there's more stuff about her brandy, like winning awards or something. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Mary Lou Nash, I salute you. So... 
yeah, that's that's the scoopy doop on that. As I said, we have a Chenin Blanc. Uh, let's read the technical notes, then I'll taste it for y'all. And I actually, I don't see many tasting notes, so I guess you're just going to have to trust me. You know, sometimes I like to do my own notes, and then I'll read the tasting notes and see how they match up or don't. Um, okay, technical notes, though. This Chenin Blanc is harvested from a farm which borders the area of Agterparl, A-G-T-E-R space P-A-A-R-L, in Wellington from dry farmed bush vines that are 14 to 16 years old. It is entirely cloned 220 from the Luar Valley. That is where else you can find a delightful Chenin, guys, the Luar Valley, and is grown in slate soils. Yields are around six tons per acre. Uh, Mary Lou makes the wine in the town of Rebeck West at a friend's cellar since they have spare cooling tanks, etc. After harvest, juice is pressed off skins immediately and fermented in closed steel tanks. Pretty simple, non-interventionist approach. Um, oh, and then they say some stuff about like how it's going to feel in your mouth and stuff. So um, before I look at anything more, let's just cheers and taste this stuff. It smells good. Cheers. Mm. Oh, wow. That, um, that is, that's, that's a wine. That is a good wine, <laughs> I should say. That sounded like really suspect. I'm like, that is a wine. Um, so this was a screw cap and I do get like, I'm glad I poured this a few. You get a little bit of that like, ah, uh, what's the word? A little bit of that sulfury, like um, I've been hanging out under a screw cap a while bit on it, but then like that that's gonna blow off. Other than that, on the nose, you smell lemons. Honestly, if I were blind tasting this right now, I get the honey. I get lemons, I get stone fruit, like, ah, uh, more like a golden delicious kind of apple thing going. Um, there's a lot of stuff. I'm bad sometimes at identifying Chenin Blanc from South Africa, because um, I'm always looking for like wax and botrytis and like, don't always get that. Um, let's just taste it and see what structurally it tells me, because actually, honestly, I'm usually better at pinpointing a wine when I, when I got some structure. Oh. Hmm. Oh. Medium plus acid. That acid is ready to jump jump in my mouth. Um I'm gonna put alcohol at thirteen. Thirteen five. Mm. I'm gonna put it at thirteen. Um body is medium. It is it is very it's light bodied, but it has substance. It really I'm wondering, there's almost a buttery note to it. Maybe it's that I was just talking to butterbeer, but I wonder, I feel like this maybe, maybe it's just the sort of waxy, voluptuous nature of Chenin Blanc, but I feel like maybe this underwent malolactic fermentation. I'm not sure, because um, I haven't read the tech notes, so I don't know for sure. Um, but okay, so the body is medium, and yeah, it's really like, mm, it's really vibrant though, like, it almost prickled my tongue, like when I first got it, like the first bit of the tip of my tongue was like a bit of a prickle, and then a mid palate starts spread out into more like lush fruit, um, like a lush fruit salad that was just slightly sprinkled with honey. And the back palate kind of you almost, as you exhale, uh, it goes a little more floral on you. Um, it takes you really on a whole little trip across your tongue. And then also there's something almost like frankincense and murray on the finish. <laughs> um, 
I get this, uh, why do I always get visuals? I get this like, almost like desiccated honeycomb vision <laughs> in my mind. I don't know what that means. They're like, ah, uh, just like, sap. I picture sap. I don't know. Um, for once, I'm not seeing it as a piece of clothing. Although if I did, it would be a saffron yellow peasant blouse. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, very vibrant, very fresh. Mm. You get a little bit of like, like greens on it too, like a hint of just like arugula hiding out underneath there. Um, based on structure, I would maybe be able to like, let's see. Mm. It is phenolically bitter. Based on structure, I could almost see myself being like, is this... Is this a Chablis? This is a Chablis Premier Cru. I almost like, and it reminds me of one. Um, I love Chenin Blanc so much. It, you can tell it, it has the Chenin nature to it. It's not as overt as some other Chenins um, that I've had, but like that's fine. It's still obviously, well, yeah, if I were blinded on this, I would maybe struggle a little bit with guessing it, I think. Um, not guessing, deducing. Mm. Yeah, it's got good complexity. It's got an excellent mouthfeel. Really um, not heavy, not light, and then like just with a little bit of bite that you get. Um, it really just is, it's a whole dance in itself, this Chenin Blanc is. Uh, I thought the alcohol was around 13. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the bottle and see what it tells us. 13%. Well, all right then. Oh, there's some verbiage on, is that the right word even? On the back of the bottle, let's see. Black Pearl Winery, nestled among the granite outcrops of South Africa's famous Pearl Mountain, is one of those madcap outfits. Ooh, madcap outfit. Guys, let's all try and use the word madcap at least twice more this week, okay? Deal? Deal. Um, madcap outfits, where brilliant wine is made for the love of it. Pearl Mountain is part of the Cape Floral Kingdom, a world heritage site. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. They are big on their flower heritage in South Africa, I hear. I really want to visit uh, Wines of South Africa. When are you sending me on my press trip? Because I am packed and ready to go. I probably need to like get some more vaccinations besides COVID before I... Actually, probably a lot needs to happen before I can go. But I'm ready to go whenever you guys will have me. Um... The Swartland Terroir produces grapes with intense and exotic flavors. I thought we all agreed we're not going to use the word exotic to describe, describe flavors anymore, guys. Come on. Um, but, but sorry, that, that's a wine writer bone to pick. <laughs> I won't get into it now. But yeah, don't worry. Don't um, this Chenin Blanc is well-structured, crisp wine, an easy-drinking wine on its own, or enjoy with pasta, risotto, smoked fish, calamari, Thai food, and vegetable dishes. This is our white pearl. Oh, oh. So, also, I do love the fact that they called it Black Pearl Winery. Um, well, I guess they didn't. They they named it after the vineyards. Um, so that's that's that. But um, I used to have a black pearl, guys. I had a black pearl necklace that a brother's my brother's ex girlfriend gave me, and I lost it, and that makes me sad because I, as a goth, want everything except in, a, in the black form. So, you know, black diamonds, black pearls, I, I want all those things. 
God, yeah, this smells really good. Okay, sorry, I just got like distracted and enchanted by this. It's really quite tasty. Mm. Yeah, it is easy drinking. It does have some complexity. It would pair hello well with like many a thing, including just like if you also like it tastes like apples dipped in honey a little bit and you know, it would pair well with that too. Uh, what else do they tell me about this? Okay, so they say there was some bentonite fining infiltration, so, you know, it's not 100% um, manipulation-free, but, oh, ooh, guys, discrepancy. The back of the bottle said 13% alcohol by volume, which was what I said, but the text sheet I downloaded says 13.5. Which is it, guys? Which is it? I, okay, I'm going to say it's probably actually, because I... It was like, ooh, 13, 13, 5, I'm going 13. It's probably actually like 13.2. I don't know. Um, oh, and there's, this is interesting. There's three grams per liter of residual sugar, which still is dry. But that's, um, actually, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why I'm surprised by that. Uh, what else can I tell you? That's probably all you really want to hear about this. Anyway, um, Chenin Blanc out of South Africa, you guys. Don't sleep on it. Get into it. You can get some pretty fabulous prices down. Um, I feel like it's more red like you can I know I've seen it even at just like Whole Foods you I feel like you may not see it at like your standard grocery store but go to your wine shop and be like bring me a Shannon not the Loire and then just wait for them to figure it out um, I don't know why I just made it sound like you need to be combative with your local wine shop I love my local wine merchants shout out to um, let's see Silver Lake wine uh, K&L, etc. Uh, shout outs to you, and you guys be nice to your be, be nice to your wine shop people because they will help you out. I'm still mourning the loss of Eve, which was Nathaniel Munoz's shop. I really love that. I need to visit where he's working now. But um, see, guys, that was a tangent. That is what we call a tangent. Also, making this is the, there's been a few times in blind tastings where I've been like Chablis. Urshanen, Chablis, Urshanen. One's a region made of Chardonnay, one's a grape. Which is which? Um, so the two, I don't know why they, how it is, but they, they overlap sometimes. So that was your wine of the week. You guys, we were making such good time, which is good because I want to have plenty of time for you guys to listen to my guest. So he is a sommelier based in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Matthew Lindsay, um, also, I've seen his name written as Matthew Dash Loren. He's a sommelier. He's a distributor. He is a wine educator. As I said, if you go to advancedwinecourse.com and use the just put in the wine situation, you get fifty percent off. That's a hell of a deal. Um, he's also works with a group called My Wine Society, um, which they have a mission to to build community around wine. Um, he's got this whole, you're going to hear all about this blended festival, which sounds kind of like pretty epic music, wine, wellness, like I, I kind of hate the term wellness, but you know, if you're going to drink wine and be in a hut, I, I assume it, I, I will, who knows what the weather will be when it happens. Um, but you know, might, might as well be well. Um, he's got all sorts of cool things he's doing. He's kind of like, he's a little bit of a, he, he pushes the envelope. Is that the right expression? 
Um, anyway, I had a great time asking him my final five and then getting him to spill the tea about all the stuff he's up to. So please now enjoy my wide-ranging conversation. It's not that wide-ranging. It's mostly about wine, although we did also bring up Nelly. So there you go. Um, my conversation with Matthew Lindsay. Hello. Hey, Matthew, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? You caught me mid-shift. I caught you mid-shift. Okay, well, I'll try not to uh, keep you too long then. Um, no, no, no. I, I was, I was, I just poured a glass of wine uh, just for this occasion. Oh, okay, perfect. Well, then I'll keep you uh, as long as your wine convinces you to stay. Um, <laughs> thank you thanks, for, thanks for agreeing to be on the show. Um, oh, absolutely. So, thanks so much for uh, for having me. My pleasure. Um, so I just have like, you know, five easy breezy questions for you about wine in your life. And then we can chat a little bit about some of the stuff you do. Uh, would you like to jump into the question? Yeah, let's go. So the first one is a pretty standard one I ask everyone, which uh, is just what you're drinking, which normally means what are you drinking these days? But now I really want to know what are you actually drinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's it's typically different every day, depending on you know my mood. Um, yeah. Yesterday at brunch, I think I put down three bottles of champagne and a bottle of Chablis. Uh, so that was yesterday. That was my that was my full full day of drinking for brunch. I had a, some friends in town, and so had to show them around, and we had to celebrate. There was a birthday in our group, so. Uh, a lot of champagne yesterday. Today, I'm drinking uh, some Tempranillo, um, and I don't know why I chose this because it's 115 degrees here in Vegas right now. <laughs> and so drinking a high-alcohol, full-bodied wine um, probably wasn't the best decision. I immediately regret this, but I'm enjoying it nonetheless. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe it'll lead to a good nap later. I'm like, that's, that's nap-inducing wine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cool. Okay, question number two is either what is a favorite pairing or also um, is there any kind of like really unusual pairing you've had that you've enjoyed? Any kind of food, any kind mm. of food. doesn't even have to be wine. You know, here's the funny thing about sommeliers. And I'm probably going to ruffle a few feathers in the industry, but that's okay because that's what I'm here to do. Um, So that's right. So I I understand, um, you know, being formally trained as sommelier, I understand the intent behind the pairings. And in in a lot of cases, there is some significance to it, especially if you do it wrong. but for the most part, I think I think that food and wine pairing is daunting for a lot of people, and they overthink it. And I think, again, I'm going to ruffle some feathers, I think it does more harm than good whenever you sit there and you have to belabor, you know, over your menu and, oh, my gosh, what am I going to pair my food with? You know, what wines am I going to pick? And so I... I, I like to be a maverick and I like to be a rebel and say, pair whatever wines you want with whatever food you want. And if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't, don't buy into the lie that you have to have this perfect, uh, you know, food, wine experience because 
realistically speaking, you're going to have that regardless of what you pair with your food or what you pair with your wine. So I don't know. I, like I said, I like to ruffle little feathers. I think a little bit differently. Um, and so I don't necessarily um, buy into the whole, well, this has to be paired with this. And although there are some, there are some very wonderful pairings that I, that I like to, um, that I like to enjoy. Uh, I will say that I do it backwards. Again, I like to be a little bit different. Um, I typically pick my wine first before my food. (laughs) I do the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, because that's really kind of what I'm wanting to enjoy is the wine. Um, But if I were to, you know, for the sake of the question, uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do is, uh, is, is a nice, you know, chilled glass of Chablis an oak Chardonnay from France with um, oysters or crab cakes or lobster. Uh, it's, you know, like, in my mind, it's a little cliche, but um, it, it definitely, that's, that's an opportunity or that's an, that's an, um, an example of a, of a very, you know, well thought out, perfectly balanced pairing where it does work. And, and I actually kind of do, seek, you know, seek that out. Whenever I'm at a nice seafood restaurant, I do look for, uh, you know, a nice glass of Chablis or something something, uh, you know, unoaked. Nice. Yeah, I guess some things kind of become classics for good reason. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, question number three. Uh, what advice oh, would you give someone who is interested, who doesn't know much about wine and wants, wants to start learning? What, what advice would you give them? Oh, um, this is, I love this question. This is a great and it question. can be download your wine course. Now. <laughs> um, yes. Right. <laughs> well, 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 I'm so glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, um, I think for somebody that's just inter- you know, getting into the wine world and, and, and intrigued and interested, but intimidated and overwhelmed. Um, my advice to them would be to uh, forget the pretentiousness of it. Per- forget the, you know, how overwhelming it is. I understand that, uh, you know, whenever you go to a wine bar or a restaurant and you say, I would like a wine, you know, can I check out your wine list? And they hand you a Bible. You're probably frozen with fear and analysis paralysis. And, 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 you know, you, you know, the, the, the wine list is in four different languages. You know, it, there's words that you don't even know how to pronounce or read from regions that you've never even heard of in your history class. And so it can be incredibly overwhelming, intimidating, scary. And, you know, my advice is lean into that fear, lean into that Mm -hmm. intimidation and try the things that you haven't tried, you know, because usually when we're, when we're put in that kind of a position, we usually end up staying with something safe. Uh, You know, I like to give the example of whenever you're at the grocery store and you're trying to find, you know, that perfect Tuesday night pizza line, uh, what do you do? You know, you go to the wine, wine aisle at the, at the grocery store and you probably find something and buy something that you've already had before, something that you recognize or seen, you've seen an ad for, uh, or something that is on the bottom shelf and has, you know, a critter on it. Mm-hmm. Not naming any names. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> But, um, you know, I've been in that position before where I uh, was the host at a dinner and I got handed the uh, the library of wines and I sat there terrified of making the wrong decision. Um, and I kind of defaulted to, 
uh, finding a wine that, you know, I thought was going to be affordable, but, but also from a region that I was familiar with, which is, of course, like most Americans, California, and there's nothing wrong with that. But kind of what got me out of that, that feedback loop, that, that you know, that of just, just trying the same thing over and over, not being, you know, not being challenged out of my comfort zone, is I finally woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm tired of living in this, this, this fear because wine is becoming, a, mm-hmm. you know, a very prevalent part of my everyday lifestyle. I was going to wine dinners, I was going to dinners, I was going to wineries, I was, you know, drinking more wine than anything else. And so I kind of had to force myself to start educating myself and, 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 you know, leaning into that fear, like I said. And so now if I saw a buy the glass menu or somebody handed me a wine Bible, I'm, I went out of my way to, to order something that I had never experienced before that I'd never heard of before that I couldn't pronounce. And I didn't even care, you know, lean into that fear. Don't worry about being embarrassed. Don't worry about like not knowing how to pronounce it or not knowing what it's going to taste like, just try it because chances are you're probably going to like it. And, you know, what I would do is I would take a picture of the bottle and then I'd go home and like look them up on, on social media and I'd, I'd go read their tasting notes on their website. And that's really how I kind of self-taught myself a lot of the wines uh, over the years before I got any kind of formal training. So, uh, so that's my challenge to your listeners is uh, lean into that fear. And let it, you know, let it be a catalyst for your growth and uh, for you to learn about your new favorite wines. Very cool. Um, So, okay, question number four is I often ask people theoretically if they made wine, what they would make and what they would name it. But I was I was doing my research and I think I read in an interview that you are now licensed to to make and sell wine. Am I am I correct? You, uh, you're absolutely correct. Yes. Do you have any, do you have any plans? What are you, what are you wanting to make? Uh, or have you made it already? And I'm, I'm behind on my research. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually I'm planning on hopefully, uh, launching my line of wines later on this year. Um, the blended festival is, has been taking up a lot of my time and energy and resources, which I'm really excited about. I'm hoping to launch at the blended festival, but we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm planning on making, um, again, I'm kind of taking an unconventional route. Um, so I'm, I'm planning on making about 15 different brands, uh, okay. in addition to making wines for uh, larger restaurant groups and uh, country clubs and, and, and celebrities and things like that. So um, doing things a little bit differently, but my wines are going to be kind of all over the place. Um, as far as my approach to making wines, uh, like I said, I'm making, I've got about 15 or so brands that I'm working on. Uh, and they, they kind of, uh, are, are across the board, across the spectrum. So, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach to winemaking. You know, a lot of people take the traditional route, um, which has been the norm for hundreds of years, which is, hey, me and my family, we're passionate about wine. We make wine, come to our tasting room, uh, experience our wines, learn our story, fall in love with us, and then hopefully you mm-hmm. become a loyal, you know, subscriber to our wine club and we'll send you out 12 bottles of wine every six months or whatever it is. And, and uh, since I'm not, a, uh, since I'm not an actual winery and I don't have a tasting room and I live in Las Vegas in the mm-hmm. middle of the desert, I kind of have to take a little bit of a different approach. So um, my wines will be sold direct to consumer uh, online uh, in about 30 ish states. So for instance, if you see an ad for one of my wines and you find it intriguing and you want to try it, I can ship you wines to New York or Texas or Colorado or wherever. Uh, but 
so kind of what I'm wanting to do is is, is uh, take a fresh modern approach to wine and wine branding and wine marketing. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, you have to you have to hear the story, you have to meet the winemakers, you have to fall in love with the ambiance of the experience, and you don't really get to do that with my wines because they're all online. At least right. for the most part, I'll, you know, I'll be doing wine dinners and all that kind of good stuff. But um, essentially what I'm wanting to do is create wine for for people that uh, – uh, uh, for populations of people that already exist, right? So I'm kind of reverse engineering it. And so mm-hmm. let's just say sports or politics. Um, you know, I'll be creating a wine brand for, you know, kind of a sports sector. And so, like, oh. if there's a Sunday night football and you want to eat pizza and wings, but have a really great Zinfandel, then there's going to be a wine brand that is going to fit that, right? There's going to be one for, for music. I've even, I'm even creating a brand for politics. Oh, wow. Um, so, so it kind of takes the guesswork out of, out of the wines, right? Um, and, and realistically, it gives, it gives people kind of an extension of, of their identity. And so, like, I know a lot of people, especially, you know, I'm just going to use this as an, as an example, uh, over the last couple of years, with this last political cycle, uh, a lot of people are very, very impassioned by politics and, and their political stance. And so I'm creating a wine uh, that will kind of, <laughs> you know, leverage your passion and be an extension of your identity. And so now you'll have, you know, kind of a, a, a glass of wine that, that speaks to who you are as a person and your beliefs and your ethos and your standards. And so... Uh, that's kind of that's kind of my approach to winemaking. Cool. Yeah, that is a different answer than anyone has ever given me. That's that's really <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. Um. So question number five is the same question I've asked guests since we started the show, which is um, it doesn't have to be wine related, but just uh, what's bringing you joy these days? Um. What is bringing me joy? Creation. Um, being able, be, yeah, creating, um, uh, being able to create, uh, it, it, I'm going to relate it to wine, uh, because it is such a big part of, of what I'm doing. And, um, but being, being able to be in a position where I can create experiences and memories, um, with things like the blended festival and with, you know, my future wines and with all my wine dinners and my wine course. Uh, just creating. It's a really fun position to be in where I can take my passion and my skill set in marketing and my skill set in wine and, and all that kind of stuff and marry, marry them all and be able to kind of share that with other people through various activations like a wine and music festival or an online wine course or, you know, a winemaker dinner. Um, and so it's, um, you know, I, I feel really privileged that I'm able to, uh, to be able to do this because a lot of people, um, unfortunately they don't, they don't live in their passion. They don't even know what they're passionate about. And I've been lucky enough to be able to fall into my passion and create, um, create a life around it. So I feel, I feel very blessed and very lucky to be able to do so. Beautiful. Um, Great. Well, so uh, the official questions are over. Uh, so now just, you know, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the Blended Festival or um, about your course or tell people, you know, where they, where they can find you and all the stuff you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we are creating a wine, music, food, 
wellness lifestyle festival. Uh, this year we're doing it in Nashville, San Diego, and Austin. Next year we are on track to be in uh, nine cities across the country, maybe more, uh, depending on how things go. But uh, we're really, really excited. Uh, we're, you know, we've got a really great music lineup. I mean, obviously festivals are kind of known for, uh, you know, the, their, their music lineup, and that's kind of the first thing that is when it's announced and what uh, will get people excited. Uh, we have uh, a really, really great lineup of, you know, all kinds of genres of music, hip-hop, top 40, electronic music, EDM. Uh, we've got the Chainsmokers. We've got a um, ton of other people. So we're really super thrilled about the artist lineup and all the different cities, Cascade, Bryce Vaughn, Loud Luxury, Nelly. If anybody remembers Nelly? I, I mean, come on. It, so I, I am from Duluth. Uh, so yeah. There you go. <laughs> We've got the legend. We've got the legend in the house. All right. So, <laughs> but in addition to the music, um, you know, we're taking a very thoughtful approach to uh, the wine. So I'm the executive sommelier and director of wine for the uh, for the Blended Festival. And as the name suggests, Blended, uh, you know, the primary focus is wine. So I'm curating a hundred foot wine experience. Sorry, a hundred foot tent wine experience with hundreds of wines from all over the world. Um, and it's going to be different than, than any other kind of festival that you've been to. First off, you know, kind of my idea and my dream is to make wine, like I, I've alluded a couple of times in this call, uh, a part of people's lifestyle and a part of their, and an extension of their identity. So, you know, I can't wait to, to be at the festivals and see thousands of people with their glasses in the air, you know, dancing to music, watching their favorite band. But instead of having a, you know, Bud Light seltzer in their hand or a vodka yeah. soda, they're, they're going to have a glass of my wine in their, in their glass. And so that's going to be uh, a really, I think, incredible, um, you know, uh, moment in time. Um, and, and also, it's, it's a really good opportunity for, um, for us to introduce wine uh, as a social experience and as something that isn't to be, you know, intimidating and scary and reserved for, you know, people sitting at white tablecloths in their ivory towers, right? This is a social, this is a social drink. Wine is, is, is made to bring people together. And so what better way, uh, to, 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 you know, edify that than by doing this kind of a festival and, and, and have a feature, uh, uh, you know, of wine. And so, um, like I said, I'm curating, uh, some amazing experiences in the wine tent. I'm not just throwing a bunch of wine in a tent and calling mm -hmm. it a wine festival. <laughs> every uh, every booth will be uh, an experience and activation in and of itself, um, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be great because you know it's you're gonna have a lot of your favorites, but then you're gonna try a bunch of new wines that that are gonna challenge your palate and what you're you know what you think you like, and so um, you know I've got a champagne campaign bubble bar, so if you like bubbles and you like champagne, you can come and try you know a ton of different champagnes, proseccos, cavas. And if that's where you want to live for the whole, you know, for the whole festival, mm -hmm. go right ahead, <laughs> you know, but uh, we've also got a, a, a Cabernet flight. So a lot of people in America, especially on the West Coast, uh, their, their palates are calibrated to Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's wonderful. That's great. But I want you to challenge that, right? I want you to grow. Uh, you might love your Napa Cabernets, but have you ever had a Cabernet from Chile or from Australia or from France? You know, the, this, this booth will give you the opportunity to do so. 
uh, and try all of those. And, and uh, hopefully you'll find a couple of new favorites. And so, um, and then we're also doing some fun activations like a blind tasting bar. So, you know, oh, you need fun. to come taste a bunch of wines. And if you can guess which, which one, you know, what varietal they are, you're tasting its fruit. So, um, you know, it's just a fun, fun little way to get people, uh, you know, excited about wine and, and you know, uh, uh, remove kind of the intimidation and the fear behind it and, and you know, get them to try some new stuff. So, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of the wine element. Uh, we also have uh, food. We have a, a food tent, uh, food activation where we're, we're bringing in a bunch of celebrity chefs, local chefs. Uh, to curate the food experience. We're doing food education courses at the festival. We're doing food tastings. We're doing food competitions. So, um, you know, everything is meant to be immersive and um, inclusive and engaging and more than just, oh, hey, let us, you know, sit, sit in this booth and let's learn about food and let us bark at you. You can go sit on your couch and, and you know, have the exact same experience. No, we want to be able to engage everybody at the festival. Um, so, you know, that's, that's another element is the food element. And then, uh, one thing that we're really excited about that I haven't seen at any other festival is the wellness element. So we've got a wellness experience, um, especially after the last, um, you know, year and a half, two years of us being in isolation. Um, you know, we really wanted to kind of pay special attention to people's mental health. I know people are getting... Mm excited about being being in public again and, and being out and being able to connect. And um, so, you know, we've got a, a com- you know, complete immersive wellness experience where you can come and do yoga and you can come talk to a counselor and you can come do an IV drip if you've had too much to drink or you're too hot or you just <laughs> want to rejuvenate yourself. So, uh, you know, we've got to, we've got all of those, all of those cool little uh, activations planned out just to, you know, create something new and different. And so, um, yeah, so that's the Blindage Fest in kind of a nutshell. And we're really, really excited to be in Nashville, San Diego, and Austin this year, and uh, definitely more cities next year. Rock on. Um, I'm in Los Angeles. Any chance you're going to come here? Um, yeah, I, I don't see why not. Like I said, we're doing San Diego <laughs> this year. Um, next year we're planning on – you absolutely should. I mean, it's only, what, four hours, three hours? I don't even know. Oh, no, not even that. Los Angeles, uh, depending on the time of day and the route you take, it can be anywhere probably between, like, I think I've gotten home from San Diego in, like, one and a half hours late at night. But, oh, yeah, there you go. Well, between one and a half and three. <laughs> um, yeah. There you go. Drive. When are you in San Diego? Or when, when is uh, San Diego? San Diego is the last one of the year, um, and it is going to be um, October 15th and 16th. And uh, so that, that'll be San Diego in mid-October. Cool. I'll have to keep an eye out for that because that, that sounds great. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's see. We're probably – I should probably let you go soon. But is, uh, if you want to tell people real quick about, like, your wine course or your psalm dinners or just where, if you want them to – if there's a social media they, uh, handle they should look for to find you. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So – uh, during quarantine, um, I was kind of sitting around trying to be productive, and I mm-hmm. had uh, for <laughs> a previous distributor that I worked for, um, I had developed uh, a handful of wine courses uh, to teach all of our tra- our staff about wine. That way, they felt more confident, uh, you know, going into the field and selling expensive wines into on and off premise accounts. And so, 
um, I realized that I had just kind of this bevy of resources that was, wasn't really being utilized. And so I decided to create an online e-learning course uh, called advancedwinecourse.com. And uh, the idea behind it is uh, to, you know, give people the opportunity to learn about wine uh, in their own home on their, on their own terms, uh, but in a very, you know, unassuming, not intimidating kind of way, right? Uh, we talk a lot about, uh, we talk a lot about wine being intimidating and confusing and overwhelming. And so this course kind of gets, gets, breaks down all those barriers and all those walls. And so it's a, uh, it's about a 12 hour course. And, uh, like I said, you can, you can go to advancedwinecourse.com and, and uh, I'd love to extend, uh, a discount to all your listeners if they're interested in taking the course. Um, uh, 50% off? How does that sound? Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, I'll create, I'll create the promo code. So if you go to advancedwinecourse.com and, um, you put in the promo code, the wine situation, uh, it'll give you 50% off and that'll be good for now until eternity. Oh my God. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Glad to share the love. And then if, uh, if anybody wants to uh, kind of follow me on my wine journey and learn a little bit about me, I love making new friends. Um, my Instagram is at the Lord of wine. Uh, so after you laugh and after you scoff at my name, go add me. <laughs> but it's it's the Lord of Wine uh, Insta- on my Instagram. So cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, well, thank you so much for taking all the time to to chat with me. And uh, it sounds like you're doing some really awesome stuff. So uh, you know, be in touch. Always tell me what you're up to. You're, you're planning some really interesting stuff. It sounds like. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to chat with me today. My pleasure. Um, great. Well, enjoy the rest of your Tempranillo and have a great rest of your day. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye. Cheers. Glass. I just drink wine. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with men I just drink wine. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.